0: The Torah tells us that if we chance upon a bird's nest with a mother bird nesting on either eggs or chicks, we are forbidden from taking the mother. We are also forbidden from taking the chicks while the mother is there. Rather, we should shoo away the mother bird, and then we can take the eggs or the chicks. The Torah then continues, and this was in this week's Parsha, that if you follow this commandment, it will be good for you, and you will live long on the land that God gives you. You will live a long life. It's a fascinating mitzvah. You find this bird's nest. Send away the mother bird. Do not take the mother, and do not take the chicks while the mother is there. Now, the Torah does not give a reason for this mitzvah. And yet the reason appears self-evident. It would be cruel to take the mother away from her children, or to take the children while the mother is there. It would be, maybe not the nicest thing, but definitely less cruel to send the mother away, wait till the mother is out of sight, and then take the chicks. And yet the Mishnah tells us that if someone says God should have pity on us in the same way he had pity on the bird's nest, you should silence them from saying that because you're not allowed to say that. You're not allowed to say God should have mercy on us just as he had mercy on the bird's nest. Now this Mishnah appears to imply that the reason why we shoo away the mother bird is not out of pity for it, not to have mercy on it. Yet that appears to be the reason for the mitzvah. So some say Maimonides suggests that there is a view, there was a view among our sages, that there is no real reason for any mitzvah. And the reasons given for the mitzvahs are not real reasons. The real reason we do a mitzvah is because God told us to do so. And ultimately there is no reason for mitzvahs. So if you say that the reason why God did, why God told us to shoo away the mother bird is because we should have pity on the mother, mercy on the mother, then that is offering a reason for a mitzvah when there is truly no reason. Now the truth is, there's another opinion also among our sages, that there are reasons for mitzvahs. And we can offer reasons for God's commandments. And to some extent, both of those are true. In other words, we, we believe both are true. On the one hand, we must follow God's commandments even when we don't understand it, even when we don't have a reason, or even when the reason for the commandment, as we understand it, doesn't necessarily apply. But on the other hand, the mitzvahs do have reasons, and many of our sages have Written books offering reasons for the mitzvah. And so, therefore, Maimonides, who himself wrote a book called Guide to the Perplexed, Morin where he spends a whole section of that book offering reasons for various commandments. And he says there clearly is a reason for this commandment. The reason for this commandment is we should not take the chicks while the mother is there or take the mother away from her chicks. That would be cruel. The better thing to do is to shoo away the mother and then take the chicks. Others suggest that what the Mishnah is saying that you should never say that God should have mercy on us as he had mercy on the mother bird is because there's a different reason for the mitzvah. One famous work that offers reasons for various mitzvahs called the Chinuch, we don't know who the author is but it was written in the 1300s, says that the reason for this mitzvah isn't that God has mercy on the mother bird, but because if God would really had pity on the mother bird, God would tell us not to slaughter the mother at all, right? But rather, God... Sorry, God doesn't have mercy on the mother bird. Rather, God um, is teaching us to have mercy, training us in the value of mercy, of pity on animals. In fact, one of our, um, our sages say that one of our values in Judaism is not to be cruel to animals. We're forbidden from causing animals unnecessary cruelty. Now, the truth is, the Torah does allow us to raise animals, which, on its own, does involve some limitation on what the animals can do. The Torah allows us to use animals for work, and we did, we used Cows were used mostly as work animals, they're strong animals. They were historically used mostly to pull plows and um, as strong work animals. And, um, and horses were used to ride on, donkeys were used to ride on. We were allowed to raise work animals, and we did. Um, we're not forbidden from do so, to do so. The Torah also allows us to slaughter animals, to raise animals for slaughter, and to slaughter them, so long as we don't cause them unnecessary harm. In fact, the Talmud says that the way that we slaughter animals is the most merciful way to kill an animal. So we're allowed to use animals, we're allowed to raise them, we're allowed to slaughter them, just we have to do so in a merciful way. So in the same way, it wasn't that God is having pity on the mother bird, feels bad for her, but God is teaching us that we should have mercy. We should not be cruel. Cruelty is a very bad character trait. Mercy, the opposite of cruelty, is a very good character trait. And so God is training us to be merciful, not to be cruel. And so therefore, yes, we are allowed to kill animals. We are allowed to use animals. We are allowed to use the hides. We are allowed to use their fur. We are allowed to eat the meat. We are allowed to use animals to work with, to ride on, or to pull things. We are allowed to use animals. However, we have to minimize the pain that we cause them. And so here, too, you are allowed to take the chicks or the eggs, if you see this nest, because you want the chicks or you want the eggs. But when you do so, try to do it in a way that minimizes the bird's pain, the mother bird's pain, by not pulling the mother bird away, and by not taking the chicks and eggs while the mother bird is watching. That would give it much greater pain. So now we know that this, from what we've seen from various commentaries on this mitzvah, that we possibly don't have any reason for the mitzvah because we don't have reason for any mitzvahs. Um, but we believe that ultimately we do understand, we can offer reasons for mitzvahs. And the reason for this mitzvah is either to avoid God, had pity on the bird, um, doesn't want to cause it more pain than necessary, or God is simply trying to teach us to have mercy, to have pity on the bird. There are other explanations offered. Some say that God is teaching us the value of procreation and raising children. Um, The mother is supposed to be raising children. The mother bird is raising her children. And though we are allowed to take the children, we should not take it with the mother or take the mother away so that we learn the value of a mother raising her children or the value of parenthood. Um, which is a very important Jewish value. It's another reason given. Any questions? The great mystical book, the Zohar, has a very different perspective on this mitzvah. The Zohar says that this mitzvah is actually not a mitzvah of mercy, where we are avoiding causing unnecessary pain to the mother bird by shooing her away and taking the eggs before we take the eggs of the chicks. If we would take the mother bird or take the eggs and chicks while the mother is watching, it would cause her greater pain. It's not to avoid cruelty, but rather the mitzvah itself, the purpose is to cause pain to the mother bird. And the Zohar explains as follows. When you shoo away the mother bird from her own children, it is clearly going to be painful for the mother bird to be sent away from her own nest. And it cries. The mother will cry. The mother bird will cry for her children, as most animals will if you separate them from their children. And that, the Zohar says, arouses God's parental feelings, so to speak. It makes God begin to cry for His children. We are his children. And God sometimes doesn't treat us like children. Sometimes maybe because of in, in, maybe in punishment for our own negative actions. We're going to talk about that more next week. Or maybe for reasons that we don't understand. God sometimes doesn't act like a parent to children and sometimes treats us, gives us pain and suffering and has um, sent his own people into exile, destroyed our temple, destroyed our freedom, given us various pain and suffering. And so when we shoo away the mother bird and the mother bird cries for her children, it arouses God's mercy on his own children and it causes God to treat us in a better way. And so in this view, the purpose of the mitzvah is not to teach us the value of mercy or because we have pity on the bird and we don't want to pull away her chicks while she's watching or pull her away while the chicks are there. But rather, the goal of the mitzvah is to cause pain to the bird. To cause pain to the bird in order that the pain that the bird feels is then felt by God. And perhaps we could add to that by ourselves, that we feel the pain of a parent that is separated from their child. So that is the goal of the mitzvah, to cause the pain in that sense. Now commentaries point out that the Zohar's explanation for the reason for this mitzvah is not only opposite and diametrically opposed to the reason given by many other commentaries that it's because of our mercy and our pity on the mother bird but it also results in a totally different way that we would follow this commandment. If the goal of the commandment is, as Maimonides and the Ramban and many others suggest, if the goal is to minimize the pain for the bird, then if a person were to come across a bird's nest then the best thing to do would be to leave it alone. Minimize its pain. If the goal of the mitzvah is to minimize pain for the bird, the best thing would be to leave the bird's nest alone. Only, God says, the Torah tells us, if you really want the chicks, or you really want the eggs, you have to first shoo away the mother before you take them. In other words, take it in the least cruel way possible. But if you don't need the chicks and eggs, leave it alone. Cause it even less pain by not shooing it away at all. So according to those other opinions, the best thing to do would be to leave the nest alone. If you really want the eggs or the chicks, the Torah allows us to take them after shooing away the mother bird. However, in the Zohar's view, where the purpose of this mitzvah is not to minimize the pain for the bird or to teach ourselves the value of mercy or the value of parenting, but rather the goal is to cause the bird pain, so that the bird cries out to invoke God's pain. If that is the purpose of the mitzvah, then if a person sees a bird's nest with a bird with chicks there or eggs there, they should not ignore the nest or leave it alone, but they should go and shoo away the mother bird and take the eggs and take the nest as the Torah commands. And so um, commentaries already uh, hundreds of years ago debated what you should do if you find a a bird's nest Should you leave it alone? Is that the better thing to do? And only if you really want the chicks or the eggs, um, take them, uh, shoo away the mother and then you can take them. Or should you not leave it alone and you should shoo away the mother? It's a good thing to do. It's a mitzvah to shoo away the mother bird and take the chicks or the eggs. So the... Halacha, the widely accepted view, is um, brought in Pizchei T'Shova, one of the most important works of Jewish law, that, uh, that we follow the, word, the teachings of the Zohar, that the reason for this mitzvah is not to avoid pain, but rather to cause pain to the mother bird. And therefore, if a person does see a bird's nest one should not just ignore it and leave it alone, but the ideal thing to do would be to actually shoo away um, the mother bird to follow this mitzvah, which would cause the bird pain, but that is what God commanded us to do. Now, there are other opinions that one does not have to, one should leave it alone, so if you do want to leave it alone, that's okay, but the ideal thing to do would be to do as... The Torah commands and shoo away the mother bird and take the chicks or take the eggs. Now, this is a somewhat difficult mitzvah where the Torah is telling us to do something that perhaps is painful. The Zohar says that it is very powerful mitzvah. It invokes God's pain, so to speak, and gets God to treat us differently. It still seems very unfair for the poor bird. What did the poor bird do wrong, right? It seems very unfair for the poor bird. Um, Life is not necessarily fair. Sometimes we are commanded to do things that might be unfair or harmful for one, but that is the way we're supposed to do it, or that's what we're supposed to be doing. And ultimately for the bird, the greatest thing for the bird is to be used for a mitzvah. The Torah does tell us that if we follow this mitzvah, you will, it will be good for you and you will live a long life, um, which can mean, and we'll talk about it in a moment, but it can mean this world and the world to come. So before I get to the actual reward for it, um, how is this mitzvah? Well, let me first open it to questions. Yes, Debbie. Is it a mitzvah to be a vegan or a vegetarian? I think you're raising a question that is beyond the scope of our class today. We did a class previously about vegetarianism in Judaism. Um, and it's an issue that's debated, but I would say no. God did not forbid us from eating animals, uh, nor do we see anything ethically wrong with it. But wouldn't it be a mitzvah because you're not killing them? No. There's no mitzvah to save lives of an animal. There's a mitzvah not to show cruelty, unnecessary cruelty. It is a mitzvah not to show unnecessary cruelty to animals. But there is no mitzvah to save an animal's life. But that's really Judaism and vegetarianism or eating meat, I'm sorry. Does it Lady, seem it's a whirly bird. Yes. Doesn't seem to want to go anywhere. So, um, yeah, it's it's really a topic of its own, but Judaism doesn't have a problem with eating meat. We don't have a problem with that. We do have a problem with unnecessary cruelty to animals. Yes, Carol. This law is a clear Jewish law. The laws are not meant to be allegories. Stories, um, or especially stories about spiritual things, maybe, some of them. Um, But definitely the laws are meant to be kept as is, as the Torah tells us, unless we have an oral tradition of a law that's an allegory. There are one or two like that. Um, but generally, yeah, they're meant to be kept as is, and this mitzvah is brought in the Jewish code of law. It's quoted and explained in the Talmud, in Jewish code of law. It is an actual mitzvah that we can fulfill, and we should fulfill if we have an opportunity to do so. Okay. Well, I don't know what birds they had at the time, but some birds can be very protective of their young, and their yes. eggs, and it could be dangerous to try to grab the eggs or chicks. from If it is dangerous, then you would not have to do so. Um The rule is only for kosher birds. Kosher birds, by definition, are not birds of prey. So it would not generally be dangerous for kosher birds. So to perform this mitzvah, how is this mitzvah performed? So you have to chance upon a bird sitting on its nest with eggs or chicks inside. It cannot be a nest of a bird that is privately raised. It cannot be a domesticated bird. Right? so not chickens or turkeys or geese or um, or domesticated birds. It must be a wild bird, um, and it cannot be, or even um, it cannot some be something even that was prepared. So if somebody puts out dovecotes or um, places for birds to nest, that would not count either. It has to be kind of a random nest you find in a tree or in some other spot that the bird had built by itself. It also cannot be in private property, um, because if it's in private property, then technically the bird's nest already belongs to whomever's property it is, Um, so it cannot be in private property. So it must be, though, a kosher species of birds. Some common wild kosher birds include pigeons, doves, sparrows, blackbirds, ducks. Pheasants, those are all common kosher wild birds. You have to know your bird type to make sure it's really a kosher bird. If it would not be a kosher bird, then there's no mitzvah. So you have to make sure that this is a kosher bird. Yes, Don? Earlier you talked about the requirement to leave a portion of your fields until for the Mm -hmm. poor. What if the bird's nest is in that portion of the field? does it become a mitzvah for the poor then to shoo the bird away and take the egg? That's a very good question. I don't know the answer. You've stumped me. So, ideally, the Torah tells us to shoo away the mother bird. So the nest, if you chance upon this nest, and it must be again in the wild, in public property, um, that the bird made itself, it must be a kosher bird, and you have to chance upon it, But then you have to make sure that the mother is sitting on the nest and not the father. How do you know if the mother is sitting on the nest and not the father? So apparently. So apparently um, the way birds work, And I don't know birds firsthand, but um, this is what I have read. Apparently, um, most birds, the fathers sit on the nest during the day while the mothers go and hunt. And then the mothers sit on the nest at night and the fathers go elsewhere. So you would have to... The fathers, the mothers apparently are usually on the nest from right before dusk from right before it gets dark until not long after sunrise. So you wouldn't do it in the middle of the day because then you probably have the father on the nest but you would want to do it either late in the evening or in the early morning while the mother is still on the nest because um, it must be the mother. So a person who finds this nest must make a blessing before shooing away the mother bird. They make a blessing, Baruch Atah Hashem, it's a, it's a mitzvah, right? Like we're blowing the shofar, shaking the lulav, wearing the tefillin. So like any other mitzvah, we recite a blessing before doing it. So you would say a blessing, Baruch Hashem, Elokeinu Melech Asher Kidishanu like you'd say for any other mitzvah, Al Shilua for sending away the mother from the nest. So we would recite a blessing before doing it. And then we must shoo away the mother using a stick, using your hands, and shoo the mother until she is totally out of sight. And then you ten- can take the chicks or the eggs. Now the eggs can only be eaten if they have no chicks inside. Usually if the mother is sitting on the nest, there would be chicks inside, eggs that are, um, eggs that are battery eggs. Um, that don't have a chick inside. Usually, the mother doesn't sit on them. Um, so, if the mother is sitting on them, they usually have chicks inside. So, you would have to eat them right not long after they were hatched, before the chick began to grow. Otherwise, when you open the egg, there will be blood inside, and you, which is what happens when the kind of the chick is first growing, and you would not be allowed to eat it. Um, the if they're the mother, if the mother's sitting on chicks, there's chicks in the egg, you can take the chicks and then you would have to wait until they can open their eyes because it's forbidden to slaughter a chick before its eyes are open. And then you would have to have a shokhet, a ritual slaughterer, slaughter it and kosher it before you actually ate it. But this is the mitzvah. How do you kosher, do you kosher it by, by putting salt? You soak it and then we salt it. Um, in order to get all the blood out of the meat. So that is the mitzvah, though. It is a mitzvah to do. It's uh, It's a very unusual mitzvah. I have never chanced upon a bird's nest like that. I don't usually go around looking for them. But I have never chanced upon a bird's nest and never had the opportunity to fulfill this mitzvah. I know people that have, that have chanced upon bird's nest and did get the opportunity to fulfill this mitzvah. Though this mitzvah is an unusual one, it is a very, very powerful one. The Torah says that somebody that follows this mitzvah, the man vlachi, will be good for you. You will have it very good, greatly rewarded for fulfilling this mitzvah the Torah also says you will live a long life on the land that God gives you. If you follow this mitzvah, you will live a long life for following this mitzvah. So it is a great mitzvah to follow. The Talmud explains, um, mentions a story of somebody who did this mitzvah and they died not long afterwards and says that it's not necessarily you'll live a long life. Here, in this world, In this life but it means you'll get a good portion in the world to come in the afterlife our soul continues and you will God will give you reward you well for the mitzvah that you did here in this world now according to those that believe that this mitzvah was a mitzvah of mercy the mitzvah teaches us to have mercy not to be cruel as we mentioned earlier a very important Jewish value regardless uh, of when forbidden from being cruel to animals However, as we mentioned, we generally follow the view of the Zohar, which teaches us that we, which says that the reason for this mitzvah is in order to cause pain to the bird, so that it cry out and invoke God's mercy on us, invoke God's pain from the way he treats us. And so, um, based on that teaching, it is somewhat of an uncomfortable mitzvah. And it indeed is, um, God has given us, commanded us to do something that makes us feel uncomfortable. And there are other mitzvahs, this is perhaps the best example, if we follow the Zohar's view, that one should shoo away the mother bird, even if you don't really... Need the eggs or need the chicks, one should make the effort to shoo away the mother bird. Um, even though one is causing pain to the mother bird, and it is a painful thing to do, we should nevertheless do it because God commanded us. And because, as the Zohar says, it invokes God's mercy. But the truth is, this then serves as a sample of how we are to fulfill mitzvahs. Generally, fulfilling mitzvahs is a very, very pleasant thing. Following the Torah, following God's instructions to us is extremely pleasant. In fact, in the book of Proverbs, it tells us, The Torah's ways are pleasant and its paths are peaceful. A person, if you live a God-centered life, a life centered on God's commandments, you will live a better life. It is a more pleasant life. It is a better life following God's commandments. Some of God's commandments can be challenging. It can be hard to keep kosher because you're limited on which restaurants you can eat in and whose homes you can eat in. You cannot go to your friend's home and eat there. You cannot go to any restaurant. You might be hard to find a kosher place to eat. You can't cook with any ingredient you want. There are a lot of limitations. And yet, it is a much better life to eat kosher. Keeping Shabbos is somewhat limiting. You can't do what you want. You're a whole day. You're stuck without your phone, without your television. It's somewhat limiting. And without your car. But it is also liberating. It is a much more pleasant life. It's a much better life. So yes, some of the commandments of the Torah can be challenging. But generally, the Torah's commandments are very pleasant. In other words, when you live by these commandments, you will live a better life. However, it is not always so. While well, that is true as a rule, and that is true generally, not every time that we follow God's commandments is it necessarily pleasant. There are times where it is very, very challenging to follow God's commandments. There were times our grandparents who lived in places like the Soviet Union, where following God's commandments required sacrifice. It was extremely, extremely difficult. There are times, there were times here in this country, my grandmother would tell me stories when she grew up here during the Depression in the early 19, late 1930s when keeping Shabbos was very difficult because we had a six-day work week in this country until 1935. And it was very hard to hold a job if you kept Shabbos and people whose family starved. There was no so- social safety net yet. Um, And people whose family there was no food stamps or, um, or other forms of welfare. And the people starved because they kept Shabbos. It was not pleasant sometimes for people to be Jewish. And even today, somebody wants to marry someone that the Torah forbids them from marrying. And I tell them, we tell them, you know, God really doesn't want you to marry this person even though you love them. That's not pleasant, right? That's difficult. So sometimes God's commandments are not pleasant. Well, generally, and over the long run, God's commandments are pleasant. And living a Jewish life is a better life than living a life without Torah and without Judaism. But not always. There are times and situations when God's commandments are unpleasant and very difficult and very hard to do and unfair and even, you can say, cruel. And yet, God told us to do it, so we do it without question. And perhaps we can say, following the opinion of the Zohar, which we said is generally accepted as the halacha, as the law, that the purpose of the commandment of Shiluah hakan, of sending away the mother bird, is to cause the mother pain. Which is a very difficult thing to do. It's very hard to cause an animal pain. After all, Central to our Jewish values is not to cause pain to animals. and we raise our children not to cause pain to animals. It's a very important value in Judaism. And we also, naturally humans, are drawn towards mercy and not to be cruel. And yet God says in this instance, I am commanding you to do something that is difficult, that is painful, perhaps cruel. I want you to do it anyway because I told you to do it. And you've committed to following my commandments. We all committed at Sinai to following God's commandments. And God says, this is the best thing for you. This is the best thing for that bird to do right now. And so if there's a lesson that we take from this mitzvah, perhaps, it is that yes, this is a very difficult, it's an unusual mitzvah, it does, most people don't even get to do this mitzvah in their lifetime. It is a difficult mitzvah to do, an uncomfortable mitzvah to do. But it reminds us that though Judaism is generally pleasant and nice and beautiful, there are times when God's commandments are difficult and uncomfortable and painful and even cruel. And in those times, God says, this is what I told you to do. Trust me do it. You're committed to it. You have to do it regardless of whether you like it or not. Regardless of whether you find it pleasant or not. Regardless of whether you find it easy or not. And ultimately, it will be good for you. It will work out for you. You do it even though it's painful, it will work out. And so for those who, and unfortunately, I know people who come across these situations, um, example I gave before, somebody love someone whom God says you're not allowed to marry is a classic or there are many other classics somebody has a job that makes it very hard for them to keep Shabbos they say God it's cruel for me to follow what you're telling me to do it's very painful very difficult how can you make me do this And God says I'm making you do I'm telling you to do it anyway sometimes The Torah's commandments don't seem pleasant. Sometimes they seem difficult, but you have to do them anyway. And ultimately, in the long run, it will be good for you. And ultimately, you will see, eventually, how it was worthwhile, how it did help you. Because though on the one hand Torah generally is pleasant, we have to at the same time recognize that we are committed to following God's commandments regardless of whether we like them or not. Regardless of whether they're easy or not, even when they're difficult, we follow them nonetheless.